Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. This is Peter Ravella, co-host of the show. And this is Tyler Buckingham, the other co-host. The Coastal Zone Foundation is the topic of the show today, Tyler. A very important organization for coastal professionals and has been for many decades. We're going to be talking to one of the board members at the Coastal Zone Foundation today about their work and the opportunities that they uh, make available to coastal professionals uh, to become better at their work and more responsive to the needs of the communities they serve. Tyler, I'm really kind of looking forward to bringing Coastal Zone Foundation on to uh, Coastal News Today and ASPN as a sponsor as well. It's good to have them. It is great to have them. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is no surprise that within the coastal community, professional associations are really kind of the, the oil that keeps business going. It makes us better. This is how we learn from each other, how we improve our, our practices, bring the best cutting-edge science to the fore. And the Coastal Zone Foundation is a critical organization, nonprofit organization on the American shoreline, Peter. And we are, we are just so thrilled to bring them on as a sponsor to Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network. And we thought, you know, since we're bringing them on as a sponsor, why not do a kickoff show and learn a little bit about what they do with a really great guest. Yeah, Tyler, I think it's, well, first of all, great thanks to the board of the Coastal Zone Foundation for supporting Coastal News Today and ASPN. Uh, These are the people that keep us alive and breathing, literally. And uh, so we're really thrilled. And the work of the organization is absolutely worth highlighting for the coastal professional community. Uh, The mission of the organization is according to the website and the history of this great great organization is to is to educate the next generation of coastal professionals this is a group that is dedicated to that cause and has a a way to certify coastal professionals that uh, really adds to the resume of the people who do the work and do, do the classes so Joining us to introduce the Coastal Zones Foundation to our listeners is Aram Terchunian. Uh, Aram is a board member of the Coastal Zone Foundation. He's also the founder of First Coastal. A, uh, he's a coastal geologist of, of great renown, uh, someone we've had a chance to work with professionally over the years, Tyler. Uh, and joining us from Long Island, uh, New York, West Hampton Beach is uh, Aaron Terchunian. So we're looking forward to, uh, to talking to Aram today and learning more about the uh, Coastal Zone Foundation. I'm really looking forward to it, Peter. Uh, there's a lot to discuss. Uh, Aram, I understand, has a long history working in this business, so we're going to get into that. But first, a word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today are brought to you by Geodynamics, an NV5 company specializing in providing accurate surveys of complex coastal environments worldwide. Driven by marine geology, coastal science, and remote sensing, our researchers use the latest technology to provide meticulous data products to support our clients and answer their toughest questions. Geodynamics carefully designs and executes a variety of hydrographic, geophysical, sub-bottom, and near-shore surveys using our fleet of customized vessels and sensor configuration. You can find us at nv5geospatial.com. Geodynamics, delivering solutions, improving lives. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter for our latest updates from around the American shoreline. Like what you're hearing and want to support the network? Sponsorship packages are now available. Go to coastalnewstoday.com slash advertising to learn more. Aram, thank you for joining us on the American Shoreline podcast. Appreciate your time today. Well, it's a real pleasure to be here, Peter and Tyler. Thanks for the invite and looking forward to our chat. Well, Aram, uh, I know we're going to be spending most of this discussion today talking about the uh, about the Coastal Zone Foundation, but um, the organization is dedicated to educating the next generation of coastal professionals. You've been a coastal professional for many decades and uh, has gone have really advanced in your career professionally. And I thought it would be helpful to the audience out there to learn a little bit about your work, uh, learn about First Coastal, and why the Coastal Zone Foundation is an organization you contribute to and spend time on. Well, uh, you know, thanks for the opportunity. You, have, you know, First Coastal is a, uh, we're a niche consulting and construction company located on eastern Long Island. And uh, thank you for the many decades that those listeners can now actually see my gray hair and gray beard. Um, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> having been in business for several decades, um, I've learned uh, through the School of Hard Knocks, among others, that there is a, a true need to be multidisciplinary in your approach to these coastal issues because they involve so many various stakeholders. So, um Professionally, I've had to adapt a lot that way. I've had to train my staff to adapt in that way, to be steeped in the one area where you have a great deal of expertise, but to be conversant and participatory and and, uh, contributing in other areas where you may not be an expert, but uh, you you need to know uh, the other field and you need to participate uh, with the other professionals, whether... You know, it's ranging from, you know, engineers to biologists to economists to, you know, elected political people to planners, uh, you know, right on down the line. So um, my own personal experience and my professional experience has really um, heightened my desire to participate with the Coastal Zone Foundation and to help move along this certified coastal practitioners uh, certification. Love the overview. Uh, great arc there to from the beginning all the way to your work with CZF now. Uh, I do want to go back to uh, your start, Aram. Uh, early start. You got you you had a vision early. Could you walk our listeners through uh, how you started your first coastal consulting company, and and were you as aware at that moment of uh, this kind of multidisciplinary uh, necessity that you are describing uh, from your early days? Uh, well, it's a long story. This is a short show, so I'll try to keep it direct. Uh, but um, I actually started the, the precursor to this company in 1975 when I was a junior in high school. And we started by putting sand fence uh, on beaches for property owners to help build up uh, the dunes. And um, we grew that business uh, over many years. And uh, um, I, can, I can tell you uh, that um, I helped put myself through uh, college and grad school, you know, planting beach grass and putting in sand fence. Of course, at my age, not doing that mu- too much anymore. So <laughs> leaving that to the younger folk. Uh, but over the years, um, it, it became apparent to me um, that I needed to develop a 
broader skill set. And it was not uh, obvious to me in the beginning. It, in the beginning, I had a, a fairly narrow focus. Um, and it was through going to um, conferences with the Coastal Zone Foundation and the American Shore Beach Preservation Association early in my career um, in the 1970s and 80s when I was going to school and then as a young professional in the, in the mid to late 80s, um, it was the Coastal Zone Foundation meetings run by Orville Magoon and his group of uh, uh, real, uh, just a cadre of great people uh, that opened my eyes to the need to be multidisciplinary, helped me tremendously uh, professionally, uh, getting that uh, view of the world that I had not been able to see before. And so it's a real pleasure uh, on behalf of uh, the rest of the Board of, Edu uh, of, of, uh, of Coastal Zone Foundation who share my vision. And um, you know, we're led by Lee Wisher and, and Kate Gooderham. Uh, who are two, you know, tremendous people that have been giving to the coastal community for many decades, as well as a storied uh, board of directors uh, that, uh, you know, cover the discipline uh, from you know, biologists to uh, engineers to geologists, and they include uh, Wee Yosef, Aaron Haig, Tom Richardson, Gary Jones, Gordon Johnson, and Karen Martin in addition to the two I mentioned before. So uh, these are people who have um, a lot to give and, and a lot to give from a lot of different directions. I've got to ask about the history of, of CZF because when you read through uh, on the website, ladies and gentlemen, you should check out uh, the history tab for the Coastal Zone Foundation. Uh, there's a nine-page rundown of some pretty uh, it's amazing how early on uh, Coastal Zone Foundation was th doing conferences on some really interesting topics. Uh, the the individuals involved it reads it it's like the you know Mount Rushmore of the coastal space. Serious serious contributors to the profession uh, over the past several decades. Would you walk us through, uh, take us back to 1983 and the, the founding of the organization and what, why was it created and, and how has uh, kind of the history of the organization unfolded to this point? Sure. Uh, that's, a, that's a great opportunity for me because it's, you know, some of the people uh, that I got to meet when I was, you know, literally a young grad student and a new professional, though, though as, as uh, has been said to me before, last century. Um, but, you know, Oral Magoon was with Tom Tobin, Hugh Converse, and uh, these um, people were engineers that were very uh, closely tied to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and they were very West Coast focused, actually. Um, but what happened was they, in, in their professional career, they realized that the, that the passage of the Coastal Zone Management Act in 1972 was a game changer in the United States for the way that the coastal zone was going to be regulated and developed. And they had the foresight to recognize that and then to say the only, the best way to do this is to gather together people of all different stripes, different ages, different backgrounds, different uh, uh, professional pedigrees, and get them into these conferences that they would hold every, uh, really, I think they're held every two years at one point. And um, then uh, it, it was it was amazing. I think one of my favorite conferences was uh, Coastal Zone uh, 89 in Charleston, 
a fabulous, fabulous city. And um, I was uh, I was uh, still a young professional at that point. And um, and Orville Magoon, who was uh, one of the uh, uh, you know the principal founders, happened to own a vineyard in California, and he had the wine shipped in from California to a restaurant, and he took all of us out to dinner, and we drank his wine. So I mean. If there was no other reason, that's a great reason to join the Coastal Zone Foundation. That is a great story. Uh, I, you know, over that period from the um, early, mid 80s till now, over the last three to four decades, uh, Aram, you have had a chance to put together and work on projects of, of great implication and importance. Uh, the Coastal Zone Foundation started with a multidisciplinary perspective, which uh, Tyler and I are also dedicated to and how we put together Coastal News Today and how we uh, put together the programming on uh, the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, We have to be able to work across multiple disciplines and have skills in the public arena. Um, Did you talk a little bit about how the profession has changed in your uh, experience over the last three to four decades as a coastal professional? Yeah, sure. I, I think it's changed in really beneficial ways. Um, and the primary change has been um, a breakdown of the walls between the different professions. So as a personal example, um, in the 80s, when I uh, was a young professional, third time I've said that, um, there, there was a, a, a conflict between coastal engineers and coastal geologists. And they were working on the same problems of coming at these problems from different directions. And um, it was uh, sometimes difficult for each of them to see the other professional's perspective because they were so rooted in what they were doing. And um, it was, you know, that barrier was broken in a lot of different ways, one of which was volleyball games at the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association Conference, uh, where it was the geologists versus the engineers. And um, later over uh, beers and other libations, it turned out that we were working on the same problem and had a great deal to share with each other, a great deal of perspective from the other side that would make our project even better than what we had envisioned. And I've seen that now in my career, um, I've seen those walls come down multiple times. And the most recent example is the, um, the advent of living shorelines, where we're bringing together um, engineers, geologists, ecologists, um, uh, regulators, uh, local elected officials, uh, federal elected officials, because we're dealing with a common goal, and that common goal is providing coastal resiliency, and we can't afford to exclude anybody because we need all those talents. And we see a lot of that coming to bear now with coastal resiliency, living shorelines. And um, it's for me, uh, as, as, a, as an older professional uh, now, uh, I'm really enthused about what I see. I think it's terrific. And I think um, the CCP uh, program through Coastal Zone Foundation can just help cement that type of relationship going forward. So in addition to these awesome conferences that you're talking about, uh, I know that the Coastal Zone Foundation has launched a certified coastal practitioner credentialing program, 
What's the history there? I mean, I, I imagine that back when you were getting started, there was no such thing as a certified coastal practitioner, Aram. Uh, and now it's a, it's something that uh, the Coastal Zone Foundation is working to get in place and become a, a standard practice in our community. What what's that all about? Well, it, it, this grew out of a um, of a meeting at a taco shop in uh, Texas between uh, Kate uh, and Ken Gooderham and myself um, when we realized that we are producing all of this fantastic information. Uh, through all the various professional conferences, including ASBPA. Uh, But that information was not being captured anywhere and then um, and disseminated outside the walls of the conference room. And so what what we did was we went out and we found a couple other friends in the community, like uh, Lee Lee Wisher and and Gordon Thompson, and what we put together a, a list of what we felt were the essential qualities that a coastal professional should have? What are the subject areas that a coastal professional should be conversant in? They don't have to be the world's expert, but they need to understand those concepts at a deep enough level that they can work with the world's expert. And um, that became the 11 courses uh, that we currently offer through the Coastal Zone Foundation. And they include uh, such things as coastal engineering, obviously, uh, but and, and coastal geology, but it goes deeper than that. Uh, it goes into coastal resiliency, ecology and biology, planning and land use, communications, government operations, project management, government affairs, more the politics of it, uh, coastal zone management and coastal regulations, a huge part now water quality, which is becoming, um, you know, which has always been important, but is now a field coming into its own. So um, what we've, what our our feeling was that if you could demonstrate understanding and a degree of mastery in each one of these areas, you would have the skills necessary to move forward and, and be a productive player in coastal projects. Sounds fantastic, Aram. Uh, Ten short courses over the kind of a self-paced program, right? Um, offered annually. Uh, can you tell tell our listeners out there whether they're in government, academia, uh, in the consulting business, in local government, uh, if they were uh, interested in in securing this credential, the certified coastal practitioner? How do they access that program? How does it work? Uh, give us a little guide map on on how this program operates. Excellent. Well, the you know, just head on, head right over to the CoastalZoneFoundation.org website, and on there you'll see um, all the different things we've been talking about, including the ability to sign up for CCP training. And all of these modules are available online and uh, self-paced, as you identified. Um, each one of them is anywhere between three and six hours long. And um, in addition to being offered online 24-7, uh, we offer one or more courses at uh, twice a year at uh, the conference, either the Coastal Summit Conference in Washington, D.C., which is coming up in March, or in the fall um, ASBPA conference, which I can't remember where we're going to be this year. Rhode Island. Oh, we're going to be in Providence. That's that pretty pretty close to my uh, neck of the woods there. That's right. You can drive, Aram. <laughs> I can take the ferry. 
<laughs> you could take the ferry over. That sounds like fun. You should bring the wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. For a carry on the tradition. So we, uh, in the next live course is going to be at Coastal Summit in Washington. Uh, that's a March 21st of this year. And that, of course, is going to be Coastal Resiliency, um, which is a really popular course. It's taught by um, some uh, of the instructors with Engineering with Nature from the Army Corps of Engineers. Um, we had that um, in Long Beach, and it was uh, spectacular. You, in addition to uh, you know taking the course, you get to go to the conference, which is a, um, a really terrific event. It, it makes a lot of sense if you're going, if you if you have the intention of attending either ASBPA uh, big gatherings every year. There's the summit in D.C., which happens kind of in the winter time, and then there's the big fall conference. Uh, you can take this practitioner training there. Uh, it's the day before, as I recall. And uh, I have, I've actually taken one of the courses there. I took the coastal engineering uh, short course, and I was in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, uh, <clears throat> where we were, uh, where the conference was several years ago. Peter, uh, I'm sure you'll remember that you had me take it. I think you you figured, hey, listen, if this guy is going to be working with me, I got to get him smart. And it worked. And it worked. It was great. He's got to learn a thing or two about the profession. And I did. I did. I did as I was told. I took the course. I passed. I'll tell you that right now. I passed the course. But it really was great. I mean, just as a testimonial, I'll say that I learned a lot of, you know, it was cursory. I wasn't crunching data. I wasn't doing mathematical formulas. I wasn't doing you know, some sort of wave analysis. But what I was doing was learning the names of uh, different sort of coastal engineering features like groins and, uh, you know, various hardening structures that are commonplace uh, in the engineering lexicon. And what that allows you to do if you're not an engineer is to have conversations with engineers in a fairly technical way and understand what the hell they're talking about. Which if you even if you're if you're working adjacent to these folks, just having that nomenclature, having that vocabulary is extremely useful just to follow along. So, Aram, I totally understand why uh, it, this would be a, a good thing for uh, professionals starting out on their coastal uh, journey. Who do you who would you describe as kind of the target audiences for these courses? Who who does take the course typically? You know, are are they local government officials? Are they typically uh, people working in the coastal engineering field? Who who who's kind of the target audience, if you will? Well, uh, it's it's a pretty broad brush. Uh, you know, the background is uh, is nonspecific, I and mean, we have everybody from you know, local government officials to coastal engineers taking this course. And um, that, you know, that's the beauty of it. There is no, there, I, I couldn't describe the typical student because every student is just a little uh, unique. And, um, you know, and they're taking it for a lot of different reasons. We're seeing a lot of young professionals taking this course. Um, it, um, I stress it in my office. Um, I have actually two people in my office that are taking the course right now. They're both, uh, you know, young professionals, a couple of years out of college. And um, I've stressed to them, listen, you know, you need to learn about these other fields. Uh, they're important. 
And so I think, quite frankly, it's critical for young professionals. I think it's deeply important for uh, local uh, government officials, but it's also important for, um, you know, somebody like me. Um, I sat in on the Coastal Resilience course in, uh, that was in Long Beach uh, this past year. And um, I was, it really helped me remember how I need to express myself to others in the room so that I can be understood by them. And that I'm not just up there as a talking head, but that I'm actually communicating. And so they had broken down some stuff that's fairly technical into very simple terms and really made it accessible. And I can tell you, I walked out of that room and I've designed a bunch of living shoreline projects, but I walked out of that room saying, hey, I learned something today. It's fabulous. And it is good for young professionals, but also for those of us who've been in the business for a while. Uh, you know, we, we, we get out of touch with the, the newest ideas a little bit. If you're not professionally engaged in the application of the newest techniques, uh, you may, may generally know, but, but not be conversant or uh, adept at the skills that are being uh, that are evolving in the, in the coastal profession. So good for young professionals, great for experienced professionals as well. Um, Aram, and you and I both have done this for a while, and I think any of the coastal practitioners out there understand that these projects are, are highly visible almost every time. They're subject to a great deal of public discussion, public scrutiny, uh, political skill, uh, and I mean this in the best way, understanding the regulatory system deeply, understanding how the public perceives and understands what we do as coastal professionals. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, about that aspect of, uh, of, of the coastal profession, um, really this public communication engagement uh, component and why that's a, a central feature in the uh, certified uh, coastal practitioner training? Well, Peter, uh, communicating and public communications for these high-profile coastal projects are absolutely essential, and it's not something that we're taught as scientists and engineers uh, because we're taught to solve problems. We're not really taught how to communicate the solution of that problem to someone who is not a fellow professional. And that's why the public communication portion of the CCP I think is one that people should take first. Um, the way that you describe your project determines whether or not your audience continues to listen or if they listen to somebody else. If you're describing a complex topic as something that's incredibly complex and hard to understand, people aren't going to listen to you because they don't understand it. <laughs> so you need to uh, take these, these complex topics and break them into bite-sized chunks that a normal human can understand. And you need help to do that. And that's why we have public communication specialists. And that's why you should understand how those people work and think so that you can provide them with the information in a manner that allows them to describe your project in the best possible terms. It's also absolutely essential when you're dealing with public officials, because once again, these are people that have many projects on their plate, not just the one project that's your baby. So you need to be able to express to them how your project is good and works and provides public benefits in a simple, direct, 
manner. And that's what public communications is all about. Absolutely essential. And particularly because when you're working in the coast or on the ocean or really anywhere where you have uh, the confluence of interests and particularly the public interests, as you have in the ocean and coastal space, you will be engaging in a conversation with the public, whether you like to or not. And uh, having the skill set to communicate, uh, as you say, your project, your point of view is absolutely critical. And Aram, the other side of the equation that I think these courses, excuse me, are absolutely uh, essential at in the communications world is the listening side. By by learning about different points of view, uh, it also enables you to take in and understand what other people are com- trying to communicate toward you, uh, because you might understand their uh, frame of reference, point of view, what have you, be that be it an ecological perspective that maybe an engineering perspective would have overlooked. But if you're familiar with the ecological framework of thinking and the process of uh, approaching ecological problems the chances are you might even anticipate having a conversation or a communication engagement with those folks and that, you know, from those uh, sets of interests. So I just think that's such an important role. It really, in any space, but particularly the ocean and coastal space. Uh, Aram, what's your, I've got to add, you know, you're a, you're a uh, lifelong professional. You've been involved uh, in this community as a leader, a board member here. Uh, what is your vision, I guess, t- for the for this community that you'd like to see uh, passed on to the next generation? I, I, I guess this is kind of a cultural question about about our community culturally. But w- what is your vision for the future uh, for coastal professionals? Well, quite frankly, I think I'm seeing my vision play out in in today. Um, and, and that is the vision of a bigger tent uh, that uh, understands and incorporates these various uh, points of view, economic, ecologic, geologic, engineering, political, uh, public safety, coastal resilience. These are all, you know, fundamentally share the same territory. And um, I'm just really gratified that I, I see that happening when I go to conferences. I see it happening when I'm working on projects. But, you know, in, in that vein, we still, we still have a way to go. And just to go back for a second to talk about, you know, how all these things land on the coast. It, it's a lot of it is about passion because we're dealing with a geography that many, many, many people like. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, the vast percentage, the vast majority of people live within 50 miles of the coast because the coast is a great place. And um, and it's a great, when you have a great place, then you have people who are very passionate about it. And they, they may not be educated, but they're still passionate, but that doesn't mean they can't be educated about it. My, my favorite analogy is that when you're building a bridge or building a beach, when you're building a bridge, nobody comes over and says, oh, you've got the wrong number of pilings. They're not long enough. They're not spaced correctly. No, you just build your bridge. But when you're building a beach, everybody's an expert. And that's because they have a tremendous passion and they want that beach to be there. And they want to be convinced by you that you're not going to mess up the beach and you're actually going to make the beach better as you claim. 
And so they're going to question you and they're going to question basic fundamental things that you just take for granted because you've been doing this for so long. You're like, you really, that's a question. Okay. That is a question. That person has a question about something that's fundamental because nobody's explained it to them in a way they can easily understand. And that's our job. Perfectly said, uh, Aram. And I, and it, it, exactly right. Uh, the, there's something unique and uh, uh, the other unique aspect of, of coastal projects and uh, trying to respond to the challenges on the American shoreline of shoreline retreat um, is that it coastal engineering is different than structural engineering, as you say. Uh, uh, it is more of an art form. We're, we're dealing in a fluid and dynamic environment. Uh, predictions of precisely how things will play out are more difficult uh, than they are for structural engineers. Uh, I think in the in the coastal space and on the shorelines of America, uh, it's a little dip more difficult and more dynamic, uh, and and that presents a communication challenge. And how do you how do you explain to the public what the project is intended to do, how it will adjust over time? why it might be necessary to revisit and redo a project, a you know, renourishment project, what the intervals are, that kind of stuff, uh, and the fluidity of sand movement along the shoreline. These are concepts that people are not, if you're not trained in it, are somewhat foreign to them. So I think you're, you're, you're highlighting a very important aspect of, of the profession that we all engage in and, and what makes it challenging. Um, when, when I want to ask you about the challenges in the, in the profession and, and what we're all going to be asked to contend with professionally, uh, and I want to talk about climate change a little bit here and talk about the emerging uh, and understood problem of, of sea level rise, uh, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the coastal professional community. Um, how does the Coastal Zone Foundation and how does your board look at that emerging challenge for the profession? Uh, and are there steps that the foundation uh, may take over the next three to five years to sort of amp up the level of, uh, uh, of work that we all do, you know, other than continuing to do, of course, the coastal uh, practitioner, certified coastal practitioner program? Uh, what do you think about the challenges ahead, Aram? Well, I, I think I think the challenges are are great in the sense of it, it um, forces us to continue to hone our skills and to continue to find people that we can work with in a productive and uh, manner that achieves greatness. And um, what we we've already made some uh, uh, some changes within our course selection. Uh, by bringing in the Coastal Resilience course, which is uh, taught by uh, the folks, some of the folks in the Army Corps of Engineers who have really um, are going to be right, you know, in the fulcrum of this, uh, uh, of the sea level rise uh, challenge. And, um, you know, bringing together a, a lot of different tools about, number one, how do we measure what the impact is going to be? I mean, the, the, the space is filled with a ton of unknowns and unknowns make people uneasy and knowns make them comfortable. So um, first of all, you, know, you start with <clears throat> how much is sea level going to rise? Well, you know, you open the, you know, open the paper on any given day and you'll get a different number. 
Well, clearly we can't respond to all that. We've got to narrow the focus and, and decide, okay, this is what seems reasonable. This is the time frame we're going to work within. And so we see tools now being developed that will help the coastal professional understand the scale, the scope of the change that's going to take place within their project area or their backyard or somebody else's backyard. And uh, I think that's a tremendous um, addition. Um, but then once you understand the scale and the scope, okay, what are your alternatives? You know, there's a lot of different alternatives. Some places you can walk away from, some places you cannot. Uh, if you cannot walk away, um, how, uh, how do you stay? If you are going to walk away, how do you walk away so that everybody gets out with their pants on without one group paying the bill for everybody else? So the, that's you now all of a sudden you have a lot of social issues that come into this. You know, you have a lot of low lying communities that are not, uh, you know, upwardly mobile. And how do you make sure that they're treated fairly in this whole process? So um, I see um, our organization continuing to evolve our course selection to make sure that our professionals are getting um, the not just the latest, but the most usable and user-friendly form of how to get the knowledge out about the scale and the scope, the alternatives, the cost of the different alternatives, both economically, ecologically, and socially, and then how those, how those alternatives get implemented in the real world as opposed to in you know, some uh, ethereal space. Wow. I mean, it is a, uh, this is the, this is the project that we are all engaged in and it is a real big one. Uh, and Aram, one of the things I wanted to also talk about, uh, on the, on this kind of corner of the discussion, uh, which are kind of some of the challenges that this community is, is looking at, at confronting includes the, uh, issues surrounding, uh, climate justice and kind of the long history that we have on the American shoreline of overlooking uh, disadvantaged communities and um, and really kind of exacerbating uh, inequities in our society, including on the American shoreline. And uh, there isn't uh, at this time a uh, climate justice or a justice-oriented course uh, in the practitioner program. Um, but I know that given that uh, the Coastal Zone Foundation has a long history on the shoreline, and I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, uh, among board members and at the organization, you, you all have, have discussed the role of uh, social justice and in particular climate justice uh, in the organization. Would you, would you talk a little bit about how you see that element fitting in to, uh, in, into the Coastal Zone Foundation's programming um, now and into the future? Well, it, you know, it, it's an evolving uh, topic, uh, and as you said, one that until the, the recent past has been largely overlooked. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for that, uh, that person who is steeped in this field to generate a module for us. It sounds like you have a lot of experience in this, Tyler. I think maybe we should be talking to you about developing a new module for the Coastal Zone Foundation. Well, I'm flattered, but I would I would I would ha I would of course pass that off. There are many other people in this community who have uh who I think would be better at that. But man, I'd love to see it and I I I would love for the community to uh have it as a part of the training. 
Um, but you know, it, it the, the my point is, Aram, that uh, it's it's the the Coastal Zone Foundation and us as a community of practitioners, we're all changing. Uh, we're changing together, and this answers to the social side of the physical world that we live in. Uh, as human beings, we have to get along and work together in order to do things. It's the way it's always been. And uh, as coastal professionals, it it's a microcosm for sure. It's a bigger microcosm than I think certainly some some uh, smaller communities would have liked it to be back, you know, 50 years ago when it was the geologists versus the uh, engineers. But increasingly, our community is getting bigger. Uh, it's becoming more diverse. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's becoming more inclusive to women, which is one of the, the coolest things that I've seen with my own eyes, Aram, which has been so cool to see uh, this community become uh, more diverse. And there's a long way to go. And uh, so many of the decisions and projects and, and programs that are being implemented by coastal professionals around the American shoreline do have impacts that are justice oriented and will trigger, if not, uh, what well, can trigger... Uh, justice, environmental justice, and social justice uh, outcomes, be they negative or positive. And so uh, it's just something that I think we should all keep our eyes on. And it's something, uh, Aram, that I'm looking forward to, I'm sure. And it's it's only a matter of time before uh, the Coastal Zone Foundation, I'm sure, will have some sort of program that speaks to that. And while, while we're talking about, um, you know, uh, the authors of these various modules, I, I just want to point out uh, to our listeners that each one of these modules, um, except for the ones that I do, are, 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 are generated by people who are the standard in the industry they represent. So um, when you're doing the coastal engineering uh, module, that module is put together and organized and taught by um, someone who is a true professional who you know, lives, eats, and breathes that subject matter. And it's the same with all the different subject matters we have. And these are all volunteers, and I don't have enough space to to name them all, but let me, you know, please thank each and every one of them for dedicating and volunteering their time. This is a total volunteer effort. Nobody here gets paid to do the Coastal Zone Foundation. This is all for the love of the coast and for the betterment of our profession and for sharing with our fellow professionals. And every, every one of these courses is donated to us and in its totality. And for that and for all the efforts we get from our, our, our volunteers, we are truly, truly grateful. Well, it's it, what it's what makes the profession uh, thrive uh, is organizations like the Coastal Zone Foundation and the kind of work that this board is dedicated to doing. It's uh, something we uh, we are so pleased to highlight, Aram. Uh, so if, if I'm a if, if I'm interested in taking a class, is there does it set me back? How much does it cost me to? There must be you know you've got to have some revenues associated with this somewhere. Is there a cost to the course? Yeah, the course each course is a hundred dollars, and um, you can sign up and pay online through PayPal, <clears throat> and. Um, you can uh, you get the course, you get access to it for X number of uh, days. I can't remember what it is, but plenty of time to watch it and take the test. Every course does have a test and you have to pass the test. Another really important part of this is that um, you have to sign a code of ethics to get your certified coastal professional um, d- uh, you know, paperwork because 
we are professionals and professionals have ethics. And um, in the coastal zone, just like everywhere else, they're critically important to not just to um, other people, but to yourself so that when you carry this this certification, people know that, you know, you subscribe to a particular code of ethics. So um, that's a that's a, another important piece to it. And also there is a recertification process, but that is fairly straightforward. You don't have to take all 10 modules again. And uh, the uh, so, yeah, you go go right to the website, sign up, pay through PayPal, get the course, take the course and then important for us, give us some feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us how we can do it better because these courses are constantly being um, refreshed um, at every conference. When we do a new course, we refresh the online course. So we want the feedback from you telling us how we can do it better. Well, it's absolutely fantastic and a, and, and a real benefit to the profession, Aram. And, uh, we want to. We want to. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, please give our best to Lee Wesher and the entire board, and and thank them on our behalf for the for the sponsorship of Coastal News today and ASPN. It is absolutely a treat to be affiliated closely with an organization of this quality, and and the work that you're doing. Uh, we look forward to having the certification course links on Coastal News today, so professionals can find it. Uh, but of course, it's at CoastalZoneFoundation.org. That's where you can go to learn all about the organization and the courses available. Uh, Aaron, we can't thank you enough for, for, for joining our, uh, our, our team as a sponsor and for the work that you do at the Coastal Zone Foundation. Uh, we wish you the best. And for all the professionals out there, uh, help design the new modules, help update the modules that the Coastal Zone Foundation is using. And if you haven't got certified, get certified. It'll make you smarter and better as a professional. Your clients will be happier and uh, you'll make more money. That's what I'd say, Aram. I think it's a great program that you got going on. Well, that's great. You know, Peter, Tyler, thank you uh, for the invite to be on board. Uh, We're thrilled to be a sponsor uh, of of your organization. I can tell you that I, I, I... I go through Coastal News today every day, and I appreciate uh, the little vignettes you find, as well as the big stories. You always find a, a small one of, of, of interest. So you guys are doing a great job there. Please keep it up. Thank, thank you so much, Aaron. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Aaron Tertunian. He is a board member with the Coastal Zone Founder Foundation. He is also the founder, a coastal geologist with First Coastal from West Hampton Beach, New York on Long Island. Uh, Aram, have a great week, and we really appreciate having the chance to talk to you about the Coastal Zone Foundation. Thank you so much. Found, I'd lost, pain.